In partnership with New Smile, the teeth alignment and whitening experts, the Pro Sports Podcasters are giving away two New Smile teeth whitening foam solutions. All you need to do to qualify for this fantastic giveaway is go to our website, www.prosportspodcasters.com, and sign up for the free newsletter. The winners will be announced in the last newsletter of November, so sign up now. Brighten up your smile with New Smile. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters, with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world, covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Welcome back to the Pro Sports Podcasters. I'm your host, Nee Wallace-Bruce, a.k.a. NWB, and I am joined, as always, by Mr. Corbett Durand, otherwise known as Kobe. Kobe, how you doing? Fantastic, buddy. Looking forward to this one. Excellent, because we have a very special guest. She is Washington by name and Washington in nature. She is a host on Fox Sports Radio and ESPN. She's also a former Division One soccer player, so we're going to get into the round ball a lot today. It is the one and only Renee P. Washington. Renee, how's it going? It's going great, going great. I'm happy to be here. Happy to have you on. Now, first off, I have to get into it. We're recording on Wednesday, the 27th of October, the morning after, sorry, the day after the final game for stalwart of the U.S. women's national team, Carly Lloyd. Renee, take us through her career. Yeah, Carly Lloyd, actually a Jersey native like myself. So I grew up just really being able to fully see the impact that she's had on this state and on women's soccer and soccer as a whole. And so it's it's something that we all knew was coming. I think the hard part with any player whenever they retire, you know it's coming, but you're still never prepared for it. So as Carly Lloyd's announcement came out and I've been watching all the great coverage that's been happening, I know they had... um. In her hometown, they had a, a extremely large gathering where she was able to connect with fans, and there were fireworks, and she did speeches. So I've been seeing it on the local level, all the way up to the international level of just her farewell tour and the impact that it's had, and the way that she still is so humble and grounded. But she's a tremendous talent, and she has really changed the game of, of soccer, and one of the bigger names in U.S. soccer that, you know, when you think of the success of the national team, a lot of it is because of Carly Lloyd. So I'm I'm thankful and appreciative that I've watched her career. And it's a sad day, but I'm sure there will be more players that she's inspired that we'll start to see throughout, you know, the, the next generation as well. For sure. And just bring you back close to home, how did you get into the round ball game yourself? Yeah, so I actually grew up in a sports family and my parents played basketball was the main sport in my family. My dad played professional basketball overseas. My mom played basketball as well. I come from a family of relatives that played basketball, football, ran track. Soccer actually was new to my family. My older sisters were the first that got into it uh, because my parents just allowed us to play every sport. We tried everything. I was not good at every sport, but we tried everything. And through just, you know, being able to, as a, as a four or five-year-old, try out every sport, soccer stuck and was a sport that I was better at and was a sport that I enjoyed the most. So um, although I played basketball and ran track as well growing up, it was natural for me 
when I was going through the recruiting process and going through ODP, playing on the state and the regional level and playing with some of the best in the country. And that soccer was, was my sport. And um, I'm forever thankful for the doors that it's open for me to be able to have conversations like this. There we go. And we love having conversations about the round ball, don't we, Kobe? Always. <laughs> you know, I'm a huge fan of soccer. I played a lot of soccer when I was growing up. Something I want to ask you, though, is how did you make the switch from athlete to sports media? Yeah, it's it's funny because looking back on that switch, it now seems like it was not that long of a time period. But when I was in it, it seems like an eternity of trying to figure out how to make the switch. It was not easy because I was in my undergrad of really focusing on playing soccer. And also my degree was in public relations with a double minor in Spanish and psychology. And everything I was doing was geared towards PR. So okay. it wasn't until I was done playing, I was, you know, I had the opportunity to get into the pros in the NWSL. I had the opportunity to coach college soccer. And as I was transitioning out of being so directly involved as a player, I started really evaluating and realizing like I had to make that leap. I knew that PR had aspects of it I enjoyed, but also aspects of it I did not. And I, I thought, you know, I think I want to be a sports reporter, but I did not realize how to go about that, or I did not think it was actually possible. So for a couple of years, I really just put it off. And then when I was in grad school coaching at Lehigh University for two years, I that's when I, I really buckled down and realized, you know what, this is what I am passionate about. And if I'm going to do this, I've got to make it happen. So I took that leap of faith. And that was five years ago, I finished my degree at Lehigh. And that was the my first opportunity fully getting into being a true sports reporter. Again, when I look back, that time period, it was about a two-year, two to three-year period of like making that transition and figuring out how to make that transition. And now when I look back, I'm like, gosh, it seems like it was it went by in the blink of an eye. But in it definitely seems like how am I going to possibly make the switch from PR to reporting with all of my internships being in, in PR, marketing, social media management, and none of which were in sports reporting. So that was just my leap of faith. And I'm glad that I, I made that decision to pursue what I preferred and enjoyed doing in sports reporting. Now, having been on the kind of like the other side of the mic, so to speak, having been in administration and coaching and such, you've probably had to deal with sports reporters in the past, correct? Absolutely. And and that's the, the greatest thing that helped me and still helps me is the perspective as a player and as a coach, because I was interviewed being that I had a successful career, I was interviewed a lot. I was on a lot of features and whether it was newspapers or local TV shows and whatever it was, um, I was I was in the media a lot. So it's ironic because when I first started, I remember telling different people that like, look, I actually don't have the experience as a reporter, but I have the experience holding a mic on the other side. And I've been in a number of interviews. So, you know, I try to still bring that perspective in everything that I do, because I now have the lens of a reporter, of course, a sports fan, but a reporter, a player and a coach that I can bring having done each at a very high level. How hard is it to be the reporter before the fan? You know, it's, it's, it's not as hard to separate the two because I still get excited. Like I was just doing a college football game on ESPN uh, this past weekend and it was an Ivy League showdown between two top 20 teams and two undefeated teams. And I still feel like that excitement I get through the adrenaline rush that I had as a player carries into kind of how I go into as a reporter. You know, like I'm just as excited 
professionally excited, you know, there's, there's levels to it, but I am just as excited when I'm watching a game or, or doing a show and, and having conversation that I try to bring some of that personality through my work as a reporter, instead of being extremely dry and, 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 you know, overly focused on as a reporter, just the delivering a question, no, how can I connect through this? So I try to use it as a way to kind of Put the other person I'm interviewing at ease, especially if we have time to talk beforehand, of course, but also just to to relate in a way and be able to add a unique angle that hopefully is going to bring it, it to be less of an interview and more of like a conversation. So I try to use my experiences, to be honest, as a tool to help in interviews to make it less of like a Q&A type feel and more of like, oh, we're just having a conversation about the game or a conversation about your career and I could still bring some of that excitement and, and, you know, the same feelings I have had as a player to the other side. Yeah, no, fair enough. I think that's something that we actually strive for as well on this podcast mm-hmm. is to make it more of a conversation than an inquisition, so to speak. Absolutely. Yeah, you got to have a little bit of fun while you're learning along the way. Now, Renee, did you play for Sky Blue as well? Sky Blue FC, which is now the New York, New Jersey, uh, Gotham FC. Yeah, that was the team that when I was getting into the NWSL uh, that I was playing with. But I was unfortunately not there during that time of preseason. I forget what was going on, but the national team players were not there. So I I kind of missed my short time within the league, players such as Carly Lloyd. Ah, and the, yeah. the team obviously <laughs> gone under a bit of a transformation. What are your thoughts on the team as it is now? Yeah, so I, I'm happy to see the changes, you know, having grown up in New Jersey and gone, I actually went to an, some Sky Blue games when I was younger, when they used to play out of Rutgers University, just seeing the way that the team has evolved and progressed and the league. I mean, it's unfortunate, but it's needed in, in the conversations that are ha- happening around the league right now, around the toxic environment in the NWSL, because unfortunately, I, I did see it and I and I do know many others that have as well. So I've seen, you know, just from the team perspective with the change to now playing out of the same arena as as the Red Bulls to also having a new name to rebranding was much needed because one of the things I noticed during my experience was here I was stepping into a professional league, but it felt more like I was in a youth league in that sense of just how behind it was. Coming out of college soccer, going into the pros, you expected to be a step up in terms of equipment and access and just everything that is not only on the field, but off the field provided for players. And it wasn't that. So that was eye-opening to me. And honestly, a big reason why I was like, you know what, if I, if I have other opportunities and at the time I was being offered a chance to get into coaching, pursue my master's, and I knew I wanted to get into reporting, it made more sense for me to step away from soccer. And I wonder how things would have been different had I gone into the NWSL with more of the professional vibe and experience if that may have kept someone like myself in it but to go into it and see the low pay and the the lack of access and resources and equipment and things like that to me I'm like at this point you're really playing truly just for the love of the game you're and as an adult unfortunately that doesn't always pay the bills so you know I, I just think that for the growth of the league as a whole to keep players you have to be able to provide more and so I think the change from Sky Blue to, to being Gotham and rebranding for that specific franchise was the change that was needed. But for the league as a whole is a part of a bigger conversation around needing to provide a better environment 
better opportunities, better stability so that players can enjoy playing and not feel like you have to sacrifice your livelihood, your finances, you know, your independence. I know there are a number of players when I was going into the process that had to live with a host family. And so you're now an adult, 22 and, and older, and you have to live with somebody else because you can't afford, and not somebody else that you choose, host families in the area that are like putting up a room in their house. You know, that's that's not something you see across other professional sports and it just had to change. So I'm I'm happy to see the changes that are happening because it was way overdue. But the league is still young and they're still going to take some time to get to where it needs to be. And I think that's what we're seeing now. Yeah, and hopefully it continues in the in that direction. Mm-hmm. That's the case for a lot of the major market sports when it comes right down to it. On the women's side, the funding isn't quite there. So they cut corners in areas that they think fans will, won't notice, really. Mm-hmm. If you're on the inside, then you notice it every single day. So where do you see the greatest growth in women's sports in the States right now? I think one is, is the media coverage alone. Um, and I'm now including that as well, of uh, being able to provide more stories and features and interviews and behind the scenes types of coverage, which I think has led to on the other end, the funding and the revenue. You know, a lot of people say, well, why can't you just, I mean, whether it's the WNBA, the NWSL, whichever sport it may be, why can't you just pay more or give more? And money doesn't just come out of thin air. You know, it has to come from somewhere. So, you know, I think the biggest thing is now that there's been more coverage and the leagues have been doing a good, a better job as well of just, increasing how much they're doing to connect with fans. Now you've got more people buying tickets, buying jerseys, even everything around Carly Lloyd. That's a, a great PR move. You know, here she is, one of the, the biggest names in women's soccer. She's finishing her career. So to have her be able to go on almost this farewell tour, like we saw, I think back to like Dwayne Wade or Kobe Bryant, um, the different players and over the years that in their last year, you really saw a lot of boost over publicizing it. So I love that they're doing that with Carly Lloyd on the local level, the national level, with the NWSL, with the U.S. Women's National Team, because that's needed. So that's how you can start to bridge the gap, because you need to get more fans in seats. You need to get more people buying and and, and looking to support financially, um, as well as even just talking about it. So I think that's the best thing I've been seeing is more discussion, more open conversation, And more just acknowledging the NWSL instead of acting like it doesn't exist. You know, there's more events going on and just a lot that's being done. I think they've really capitalized on the pandemic, on, you know, the way they were able to come back through the pandemic and and moving forward from having cup games and all these different types of in-season exciting moments to be able to captivate fans. So I think it's momentum is shifting for sure in the right direction. Now, you've worked with major media, major networks. Uh, we here at the Pro Sports Podcasters, we've criticized major networks for marginalizing the amount of coverage women's sports gets. It's no, it's no secret. I'm wondering, you have your own podcast beyond the headlines. Do you start something like that because you yourself notice that the amount of attention applied to women's sports is just minimal? Absolutely. And honestly, I, for me, it's, it's more than just women's sports, but I think the hardest part is, and, and I'm guilty of this too. I'm, I mean, I, before our show, I was even watching um, good morning football. You know, when you watch a lot of shows across ESPN, NBC, CBS, whichever network it may be, 
it's a lot of the same topics. In basketball, we're all talking about Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving. Yep. In football, we're all talking about the Chiefs, you know, or 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 Tom Brady. So we we all tend to naturally get stuck in talking about the same topics over and over and over again. And I just felt like there were there are so many stories and players, coaches, journeys, leagues that we're not talking about. So Beyond the Headlines was literally an, an exactly as it sounds of. Yes, we will talk about the major topics, but let's also go deeper than that, you know. And and I, and for me, it's actually opened up to not just be about sports. I've had a, a number of artists and musicians and entertainers, you know. It's it's talking about other topics that people need to know as well, because I think everybody's story, every interview, every conversation has something you can either learn from to be able to like. My goal is to educate, empower, or inspire through it. So you're either learning about something new. You're getting inspired through someone's like story or experiences or in some way, hopefully empowering you to want to to pursue your own. So I just think that, again, when you look at every app, every network, every every major headline, every podcast and show, we are all guilty of it. And I wanted to do more to shine a light on not only female sports, but just all of the stories that that we don't get to talk about enough. No, I, I love that. I love that. Mm-hmm. Our, our motto, if you don't know, is no sport left behind. We endeavor to to bring people on from very fringe market sports that don't get the kind of coverage you'd, you'd see on a major network. I'm just wondering, I mean, we're three people when it comes to the pro sports podcasters. Is Beyond the Headlines mm-hmm. just you or is it a major group or what is it? It actually started out as just me, but then, but it has grown. You know, it's something else that I strive to do is use every opportunity through my platform to help others. So I actually through my show and my show's not generating a lot of money where I can afford to pay the you know this large team, but I've actually been providing internships. I've got a lot of young professionals actually since I started that I use my show as a way to help them get hands-on experience and I and let them know, look, I I might not be able to pay you a salary or anything, but I can give you experience. You can use this for credits. You can use this. It's, it's a Fox Sports show, which in itself has carries great name. And you're going to actually be able to get hands-on experience that you can use for your portfolio. So my team has grown. And ironically, I have an intern now. Um, I have a group of interns, but one that just reached out saying, this has been an incredible experience. Can I also intern again You know, the, in the spring? And I'm like, absolutely. There are more ways uh, that we can help with the next generation. So if I can use my platform to help three or four young professionals, you know, we have, we just had a meeting earlier this week where we discussed, you know, some feedback, things to work on. I can give advice, whether it's directly with the work they're doing with my show or just in general, professional advice on, uh, you know, uh, interviews and your resume and creating content. So I actually have been using my show and this is not something I like openly talk about, but. I do use my show as a as a platform to also provide hands-on experience for young professionals as well. So the team is I am definitely the I guess the boss of it all, but there it is not just me. I do have a great team that's working around me that's helping to create some of the content that we're doing in terms of like the social media and I just started introducing like newsletters and different email marketing that's going on behind the scenes as well. No, that's excellent. And as a young black woman in America, are you losing it as a a form of mentorship or a, a way to inspire others to follow in your footsteps? Absolutely. I'm very big on mentorship. You know, a lot of what I do at the core of it is providing opportunities for whether it's conversation, growth, 
learning, networking. So, you know, that is that is one of the biggest thing that I stress is this is a mentoring opportunity where you're not going to come in and, and I just give you things to do and, and you just are doing like tedious things. No, I'm going to I'm going to help you be better. I'm going to help you learn in this industry and, and be able to share some of my insight with you. So this is just one small way that I try to use my platform to give back. And that honestly is the core of who I am or everything I strive to do. And even the organization I created, Plants Are Not Buried, and beyond the headlines and my through my social media, a lot of the different buckets that I work in, at the core of it is to be able to give back and help, you know, educate and inspire any and everyone, male, female, black, white, Spanish, you know, older, younger. I actually have people that are older than me that I'm, that are feeling stuck that I'm working with. Okay, you know what? I'm going to help you. So I use my show as one small way to help on a bigger, bigger cause for, you know, just helping others. That's awesome, Renee. Yeah, I like that. And it's, it's awesome that you're, you're sharing, spreading the wealth, if you will. This episode is brought to you by the good folks at New Smile. Just use the code PROSPORTS to get $150 off any of their teeth aligning kits. So turn up the dial on your smile with New Smile. Now on to the show. Now, my question is this. I'm asking for a friend. You mentioned newsletters. So if, if you had any advice for someone starting a newsletter, what would it be? And what are some tips to circulate the newsletter widely? Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it's definitely not easy because we live in a social media digital age where a lot of people are consuming their content through Twitter, Instagram, you know, TikTok, whatever it may be. So I'm ironically even fine tuning the newsletter I've been putting out to be able to be more of a way to just kind of bridge the gap. You know, I, I think that there are, first of all, there's actual platforms like um, Constant Contact and different like email marketing types of programs that you can use. I have a website through Wix where I actually can email through my website like an, and create a template for it and everything. But my thing for any content, especially something like a newsletter, is to be able to have that balance. Like, yes, there should be words and there should be a description so people know what they're reading, but also add pictures, add cool graphics, add pops of color, you know, add something that's going to make people want to read more because we unfortunately live in an, in an era or, or time where people have a very short attention span and they want everything quick, 140 characters or less. Like, we're all about short and sweet. So, you know, whether it's a newsletter, digital content, an article, whatever it may be, like finding ways to continue to hook people because there are great ways to incorporate a video or a GIF or an image. So I think that'd be my biggest advice is any content that you're creating. The best part about it is that everything reaches people differently. Like some people still prefer a traditional email. Some people still prefer a traditional newsletter. Some people still prefer on the other side, social media and a video. So try to meet people where they are and provide that flexibility and variety in what you're giving people because you will now reach people all different demographics in that sense. But creativity is the biggest part about it all, <laughs> for sure. Right. And you mentioned short and sweet, and that kind of reminds me of Toronto FC season. It started <laughs> badly and it's finished pretty badly. It's finishing pretty badly, but they are facing the Philadelphia Union as we record this on a Wednesday. And you actually host uh, shows for the Philadelphia Union. So tell us, they're currently sitting second in the Eastern Conference in the MLS. What's the what's the mood like in terms of the, the season so far and their push for the playoffs? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sorry to hear that you are a 
Toronto FC fan. Um, <laughs> oh, I didn't say that. No, no, no. Hang on, hang on. I need oh, to qualify okay, okay, that. Okay. The, thir- the okay. third member of our team is. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I support the FC. Come on. Look, I want to see them do well, but I didn't grow up here. I don't have to be a fan. <laughs> too funny that is too funny yeah the, it, the game today will be an opportunity for the union to clinch a playoff spot but i think for the union sitting at number two behind the revolution who have had their number for sure over the last couple of years a number of fans have continued to say it and the the mood that that i've continued to hear from from the team from the coaches players is the bar is higher now it's not just about making the playoffs it's not just about being a top team you know in the regular season They've got to get past where they did last year. And and I think there's still a, a very sour taste in that early playoff loss. And again, to who? Um, but to the revolution. So looking looking ahead, it's a get to the MLS Cup or bust type of feeling of like anything less might feel like we've underachieved. Like I, the team has very high expectations. You know, obviously having the international success they had in the CONCACAF Cup having the success of the Supporter Shield, having the success in the past of just being an incredible regular season team. But they've got to get over that hump. And I think this year is going to be very big for that. Casper Shabilko has been phenomenal. And the team as a whole has been fun to watch. But I think everybody knows no matter what we're seeing right now, the season is not going to feel as successful unless we get the playoff success that is wanted. You know what I mean? Like it's the regular season at this point is almost like an expectation. And of course, that's never, every team goes into it, you still want to do well in the regular season. I'm not going to be cocky enough to say that. But the goal, I should say, overall of whether or not this season is a success is a matter of how far can they go in the playoffs. So I think that's kind of what everybody now is, is really keeping their eye on is what is this team going to do moving forward come playoffs? All right. Now you touched on the CONCACAF. Uh, the, I guess the continental competition with the CONCACAF, uh, I think they call it the Champions League or something like that yeah. nowadays. As an American fan, where does that fit in? Is that something that fans typically care about or is it still like a, a midweek thing? Yeah, I mean, I just think that for men's soccer, they are really trying to expand the MLS. It's it's such a different struggle than the NWSL. You know, the NWSL, a lot of a lot of big name players in the world are still playing in the NWSL. Of course there are some that are not. But, you know, because of the women's national team's success alone and you have players from the US women's national team in the league, and then you add other international stars, the league itself is some of the best players. On the MLS it's different though, as you guys know. You don't have the best players in playing in the MLS. You have some of them, but a lot of them are not. So I think that what we're seeing on the men's side is the continued efforts to try to incorporate the MLS in other ways. And I think the CONCACAF Champions League was just one of those steps. It, it is one of those steps, I should say. So it's it's a unique, odd thing, to be honest. And I know even like the NBA was talking about trying to incorporate types of like international competition within the league, uh, within the season. The men's soccer is like its own insanely chaotic of just like all these schedules and overlapping tournaments and games and leagues. I I just think that for everyone, especially in America, because we are so behind in soccer, it's just a way to try to start to bridge the gap. You know, in other countries, soccer is, soccer is the world sport and, and everybody loves it aside from 
U.S. <laughs> fans. So <laughs> I think there's this effort to really bridge that gap to try to bring, if we can now sprinkle in, you know, when you're watching Club America play the union, you're getting a little bit of, of everything now. So I think it's just a way to kind of boost the MLS because although the league has been around for, for years and it's successful and it's got a lot of teams and, you know, it, you might not think it's dealing with the same struggles as, as the NWSL. It still has its own set of struggles and that mm-hmm. it's not the, the top league in the world. So I, I like it. I think it works. The MLS season is extremely long because of it, because of all the stops for international play and things like that. But for how behind the MLS is compared to other men's leagues, you have to be like more, in my opinion, more proactive to try to catch up. Because like I said, you, you don't have Messi, you don't have Ronaldo, you don't have um, Mbappe and big name players playing in our backyard. So there's got to be a way to start to bring some of those big names into. Now you have Club America playing in Subaru Park. Okay, people will now might probably start to watch more or buy tickets to go see that. So I think it's it's a marketing and PR move that to me makes sense. And if I'm not mistaken, there will be a women's CONCACAF Champions League starting, if not next season, I think it's 2023. So that's something yeah, that- and on the women's side, they do that too. Like the She Believes Cup, the Conquer, like they have those as well, but it's it's a different need, I feel like. Like they're both doing the same types of things, but for different reasons, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got to ask, who are you a fan of across any sport, actually? Are you a dedicated fan, anyone in particular? Yeah, so I mean, I'm always a fan of whoever I'm working with. So <laughs> that's first and foremost, have to be, have to be. But I did actually grow up a Philly sports fan. So in terms of like, uh, you know, all across sports, basketball, football, um, I'm, you know, I've always been a Philly sports fan. And then specifically for basketball, I am a LeBron fan. So that's that's my my odd one out. You know, I'm I'm a Lakers fan. So I always am rooting for the Sixers. That's my backyard team. But um, also a Lakers fan. And then for soccer, I just love soccer, to be honest. You know, I, I don't know. In the MLS, I'm definitely a union fan, of course. And then who else but to be a fan of um, but PSG with the, uh, <laughs> with the superstar, like, unfair team. But in my, in my defense, I'm a Messi fan. So I will say, like, I was a Barcelona fan. And then when Messi moved, okay, I'm now, you know, PSG all day. So my teams are all over the place, but I actually just love watching sports. Like I've been watching the major league baseball playoffs and um, of course, women's and men's basketball, soccer, football, doesn't matter. I'm just a sports junkie. See, I could be a PSG fan provided they they were in a different league, a little more competitive league. <laughs> that's that's my know, only right? issue with the PSG pick is that they don't really have competition in the in the French league. So. It's like a cheat code. It's just not fair. It's <laughs> exactly. really not. It's not. It's like we're watching men versus boys. It's really not fair. But I'll still be. I'll still watch it though. But I love it. But I agree with you. Maybe time for a change. <laughs> yeah, basically, you tune in when it's Champions League because then you get to see them play yep. some some yep. old teams. Oh, nice. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm not a fan of PSG and how they became who they are. I'm just not. I'm, I'm old school. I'm not here for it. I don't. Them, Man City, Newcastle, if that takeover goes through, I just, no, mm. I'm not here for it. I'm an Arsenal fan and I know they've tried to build sustainably, but <laughs> it's been it's been a challenge. Now, uh, Renee, where, where can our fans find you and reach you on social media? Yeah, so I'm 
extremely easy to find. My everything is Renee P. Washington. So Renee P. Wash on Twitter, Renee P. Washington on Facebook, Instagram. My website is ReneePWashington.com. And then my show, Beyond the Headlines, is also easy to find. It's across all social media and its website, uh, BTHWithRW.com. So everything is connected, though. If you find one, you will find Pandora's box of everything else that is right there connected to the different pages. And what does the P stand for again? My middle name, Patrice. Patrice. There's okay. another Renee Washington out there. And so yeah. I noticed it's funny when I first when I first started, well, there's a couple. One is a track runner and another is, an, is a reporter. And so when I first started, and anytime I'd search my name, I'd see them. So now it is finally to the point if you if you do a Google search, I was like, this was like such a, a nerdy thing that I was excited about. But when I search my name now, I do pop up. But it took a while. I had to build like Renee P. Washington as its own brand <laughs> to be able to get that separation. No, that makes total that makes sense. That makes sense. Otherwise you, <laughs> you could end up in some very weird situations <laughs> if people contact you. Oh yeah. You. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you awesome. for that. Thank you guys for having me. This was a lot of fun.